0: And we're back with a very important episode of Eddie Green's 101. But first, before we get into it, got to get through the sponsor. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, business is out of the way. Now, who is my guest today? And yes, I just I just pulled a Dr. Seuss right there, and I had no intention to do it. My guest is Dr. Lecara. She has been on... Uh, the podcast previously. So, if you did not listen to that episode, it is still very relevant. It was a uh, COVID nineteen centered podcast, and there was a lot of information in there. And um, uh, the only issue with that particular one was we did that over Facebook Messenger because that was what was available to us at the time, and it just glitched out a lot of a lot of moments in that in that podcast. So, um, for this one, we went the old fashioned way. We did it. Uh, phone to phone, uh, because that's what I'm currently doing with my remote guests. I am working on getting it so that I can actually see them and and have them recorded, and uh, that's coming in the future, but um, this one sounds a lot better. I'm very excited about that, and Dr. LaCara is just uh, one of the most insightful people that I know. I mean, she's a doctor. I mean, come on. It says it right there. She knows what she's talking about. She's on the front lines, and I am... I'm an idiot. Like, literally, I'm an idiot. I'm a moron when it comes to the stuff that we talk about in this. So she takes the reins on it. I kind of sit back. I let her do a lot of talking and um, share a lot of vital information. And then towards the end of the episode, we actually get into some uh, lighthearted talk. She is a published poet. I believe I say published author, but I think the correct way to say it is she's a published poet. And uh, she's a dancer. She, like, she has a lot of passions in life and uh, a lot of positivity about life. And um, she's not just, you know, COVID, 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 COVID. Um, she has other things that she focuses on as well. So it's a, it, it's, it's a nice balance in this episode. And, and she's just a lovely, lovely person. And uh, I'm very happy that I'm in contact with her. So uh, get ready, get set for me to be a moron and for Dr. LaCara to be incredibly insightful, it is Dr. LaChera. Hey Eddie. Well, hello, Dr. Lacara. Welcome back.
1: Thank you for having me again.
0: I am uh, I'm very excited to have you back on because the last episode was one of the most uh, listened to episodes of the podcast, which is um, incredible. Because I mean, it just goes to show how how much people want to want to hear this kind of information. And and I know this episode is going to be a little more lighthearted because I know we want to talk about some other things, but uh, there is still the elephant in the room. And this was what a few months ago we talked, right?
1: Yeah, and we just had a conference of some some people called so called frontline doctors in front of White House and I think so I think there is an obvious elephant we have to address that as well today. I was really hoping you will just discuss my book, but I think uh, there are a lot lot of things at stake. Yeah.
0: Uh, really quickly, is there a way? Because I um, it sounds like you might. Are you on speakerphone or? Yeah, the...
1: is this better if I hold it close to my ear? Yes. This is this battery Yes. Okay,
0: perfect. Okay. So, so this conference that you're talking about, what exactly, because when you texted this to me, I was a little curious what you meant by it, because I'm a little in the dark on this.
1: Oh, uh, I didn't know you, uh, you were not aware, but I think certain group of uh, doctors uh, uh, went uh, in front of, I think, in, in uh, Washington, D.C., and they were grouped together, and they're basically, I think there's this uh, physician called, if I'm getting her name correctly, give me one second, I want to make sure her name is correct, um, Stella Emanuel, Dr. Stella Emanuel, who practically called the physicians who are not using hydroxychloroquine as good Germans, uh, who, who saw as Jews were getting killed. She essentially compared... Uh, physician's not using hydroxychloroquine to term- combination she literally compared them to Nazi or actually passively uh, uh endorsing a genocide uh and uh, i think we should address that today
0: absolutely 100% um so so what so what's your take on this what's your what, like what's your view and what's your opinion that you want to share on this
1: I really am very concerned about few things, and uh, there there is there are so many pandemics going on in America. Covid is just one of them. I think the pandemic of misinformation uh, is costing more lives because it's preventing people from uh, protecting themselves, and it's uh, it's making our frontline workers more at risk of death. It's it's causing more death than the virus itself because virus is spreading because of misinformation or ignorance, or lack of uh, uh, you know, uh, or because of apathy at times. And so, Mike. First of all, I uh, there were a lot of positions, but the one that was sent to me was the uh, video by Dr. Stella Emanuel, who very in a very uh, riveting and passionate tone. Uh, was endorsing um, hydroxychloroquine uh, and azithromycin combination with zinc um, passionately and uh, because she quote-unquote treated 350-something people and lost only one patient as a primary care doctor. And this is really concerning to me because when White House is endorsing or politicians are uh, engaging in such giving platform to like far and few doctors, where the entire uh, medical body is trying to come up with data to manage this pandemic, uh, to shine a limelight on one or two or three or ten doctors who are, uh, you know, not in agreement and they want to instigate uh, a parallel, an entirely parallel um Way of thinking of how to practice medicine, it essentially is is anti science, and it essentially costs life. So, uh, what I would really request people because it was anti mask, none of the doctors were wearing masks when they were in the conference. They were definitely not socially distant, and uh, this late, uh, this physician, this, um, pediatrician, actually her. Uh, you know, her insistence that we are not treating the patients and we are essentially killing them and not by denying them the treatment that she says. So I would just go on one by one. Basically, mask work. We have, this is a new virus, right? We don't, this is a new pandemic. It's a novel virus. We don't have a previous data on this virus. But so far, we have respectable journals published. There is, uh, in July 2020, Uh, Journal of Infectious Disease, published an article uh, which uh, was about the role of community-wide wearing of masks of control of coronavirus disease uh, due to SARS-CoV-2. And the conclusion was that community-wide mask wearing may contribute to the control of COVID-19 by reducing the amount of emission of infected saliva and respiratory droplets from individuals with subclinical or mild COVID-19, which is essentially causing the spread of pandemic. It's not causing because somebody is sick in the hospital. They are not the ones spreading the disease. The ones spreading the pandemic is people who don't even know they have disease or they manifest the disease later on, or maybe they don't manifest the disease at all. So we do have data, even from the countries that have done universal masking and they were uh, able to get control their pandemic. Uh, So, and uh, to to spread this belief that masks are not, to go to this extent, uh, saying they are useless, even though we have studies now proving that they do work, um, and then even there are uh, memes and uh, Facebook infomercial sort of thing who are like, you, you may die, you build up carbon monoxide and not Like coronavirus is 0.12 microns and oxygen is 0.00299 microns. It's like 400 times smaller than coronavirus. And doctors wear masks all the time, and and anesthesiologists wear masks all the time, and none of us had died or had uh, suffered uh, hypoxic brain injury. There was even a physician who wore like six masks uh, and showed his oxygen level at the first oximetry, saying that, um, you know, that, look, it's it's okay. My oxygen level is fine. I'm not accumulating um, carbon dioxide. So this false narrative that's getting pushed and politicized like think about it if if uh, if this was a democratic hoax or so it was a political thing and the liberals are trying to push this on, we are not trying to save lives of only one political uh, ideology right? We are telling everybody to do this and because we want to save lives of everybody as physicians, we want to save lives of everyone whether you're republican whether you're democrat whether you're independent whether you're a political we want to save lives of everyone so why why would uh We are not telling only Democrats to wear a mask and then Republicans to just jump off a cliff. We are telling all Americans to wear a mask and socially distance and close you locked down. And carbon dioxide is 0.0065 microns. And they're like, oh, if you wear the mask, you're going to have CO2 accumulation. All these false narratives are getting pushed, which actually was facilitated in this conference. So masks work. We have data from our country. We have data from other countries that they do work. Uh, and then second thing was, you know, uh, the, the, I t- Stella Emanuel, uh, Dr. Stella Emanuel is a pediatrician. So I don't even know how she she's uh, managing adult patients. And for her to tell everybody that... Uh, there is a magic cure with a combination of hydroxychloroquine, estromycin, and zinc, which is, which is 100% cure, and it'll life. Uh, it will save lives. It's it's very sh- sad thing to see uh, such uh, physicians getting, or pediatrician or doctors getting a platform. Because um, first, when hydroxychloroquine, we do have biochemically, like uh, virologically, just very, very basic uh, chemistry-wise, it makes sense. You know, we do have, we do know uh, that the way all these medications, different medications work, uh, which will make sense for it to work. But when we do in vitro study, which is in the lab, and when we apply them in, uh, like in vivo, in humans and in community, the data, uh, what we see in the petri dish or we see under microscope, or which should make sense, at times is not extrapolated. And that's why... The drugs that work in labs may not work in clinical setting, and therefore we do randomized controlled trials, and therefore we need studies, and that's why science is a very evolving thing. And what is happening is because for the first time, they are um, Americans are witnessing science unfold in real time, uh, in a in you know more visible way, and they are getting. I I don't know, confused and conflicted. But as a responsible physician, it's your job to not confuse them further. When hydroxychloroquine was initially touted as a possible treatment, I gave it to my patients. Like all were excited. We all, none of the doctors are trained uh, to not give the best treatment to their patients. We. I gave it in combination of azithromycin, we gave things, we gave everything because we didn't have anything. And what happened? Like I had patients who I gave it and they died. And there were some patients who did okay, uh, but some patients didn't do okay. And we, the thing is my experience cannot be entire science. And that's why we do studies. That's why I look at the experiences of other doctors. We do take patient sample And any gym, New England Journal of Medicine, uh, it's such a uh, respectable uh, journal, uh, which uh, which had a publication, actually, it's randomized controlled trial, which is a gold standard. In July 23rd, 2020, this uh, article, this, uh, uh, this research was published. And the result was they had 667 patients that went underwent randomization. 540 had confirmed COVID. And the conclusion was patients with mild to moderate COVID-19, the use of hydroxychloroquine alone or with azithromycin did not improve clinical status at 15 days compared to the standard on otherwise treatment. Uh, And it was funded by Coalition COVID-19 Brazil and EMS Pharma, which had no interest in uh, in, uh, selling this drug or not selling this drug. And, this this study was very powerful, and that's why when she screams at the top of her lungs uh, on a national television, on a media, uh, and is given uh, you know credit, credit uh, like credibility by politicians and BritBot, it is it set, takes all all the frontline workers and physicians who want to follow evidence. Uh, it, it is a huge setback. You know, may uh, we are. Uh, We are not using uh, this drug anymore because it didn't work. Uh, We would use this uh, medication if it would have worked. We were using it uh, earlier, and that time death rates were way high, right? And now Americans know that now the death rates rates are declining. So we were using, even if nothing else makes sense, we were using hydroxychloroquine before, and now we are not using it. And just to make this about American Democrats or politicize it is sad because it's not just America that lost lives. Like people in developing countries, India has like one of the highest use of flaccanil and hydroxychloroquine. Their doctors have access. It's not as strictly regulated as in America. Even there, people are dying despite getting this medication and in Spain and in Italy and in China. So What I'm saying is, if there is a treatment, we have to be very cautious with what we say to the general public because the confusion during a pandemic will cost lives, it will cost death, especially if she says so casually hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin combination. It is one of the very scary combination drugs that we use. I have used it, but we need telemetry because both of them prolong QT interval and in Lamentum, it affects heart the way uh, heart rhythm is. And therefore, we have to repeat EKG every morning to make sure that it's not prolonging QT, it's not affecting heart. So just to casually throw it out there is a very, uh, sadly, a very irresponsible thing to do. And the lastly I'll say, we I'm, uh, I'm already managing patients. My colleagues are managing patients, doctors in Arizona and Texas uh, and Florida. I, I keep getting messages uh, across uh, the country and even internationally, but in our country, how disheartened They are. Already, clinically, they are at risk of dying from this disease and fighting in the front line where the rest of the country, uh, sadly, so many of us are not wearing masks and socially distancing and still calling their hoax and and, masks unnecessary. Already, they are so disheartened, they feel betrayed. On top of them, them getting called good Germans and comparing them to be passively contributing to a genocide and touting them literally that they are not doing what they're supposed to do, that is to save lives, and them getting bombarded, like I get so many messages um, about misinformation. On top of all that, they have this new word, uh, that is they have to go on social media and explain everything. So how how much, uh, I think there's only that much emotional, physical, and mental reserve a human being has. And physicians are human beings. So my request to America is that your doctors are trying their best. And a good doctor will always follow evidence-based medicine. If we think that some medication is not working. And, And just look at this. This medication got politicized, otherwise, why nobody even would be asking this question if a drug didn't work didn't work no no American would be asking this question, but because uh President of America touted it as the magic cure, despite Dr. Focing, who is a respectable infectious disease doctor for like decades who has sacrificed his life for HIV. Uh, HIV, he's like he has written the very book of internal medicine that not just America, like entire world reads it. I sit in like I was in Alapura uh, TD Medical College in India Kerala, a small village of uh, uh, in the planet reading his book uh, to become a doctor. He is he has written the Bible of medicine so America wants to believe uh, a a pediatrician's word who I hate to say it in your platform, but apparently she advocated witchcraft in her Facebook and Twitter and uh, sex with demons and whatnot, which is none of my business in her spare time, what she does. But my concern will always be this, that you don't be irresponsible in a pandemic that can essentially not only kill people, it can cause Cognitive issues. It can cause stroke. People have lost their legs. People have permanent lung damage. <clears throat> there are people oh, I have. Uh, we are losing doctors to this. Uh, we are losing nurses, paramedics to this disease. So you have to be very, very responsible. And if you're, and there should be some repercussion in the sense if you if you release unfounded beliefs publicly, uh, there has to be some consequence, legal, medical legal consequence, because we are aiding and abating in a a pandemic. We can always say this is the science and science always evolves. I'm not saying this is it, what, what these trials have shown is the final thing. There'll be more trials and maybe then our treatment modality will change. We have to keep our eyes and ears open, but we also should look at the uh, sophistication of methodology that not only uh, our country is using, but to benefit from other countries. Uh, and that's why I was not in favor of America pulling away from an organization like WHO, because it must, every organization has thought, I'm sure it has thought, but a pandemic is an international um, Fair and we need cooperation from other countries. We need the sharing of data, their science and our science together. And we should re revisit and re investigate what is told to us. But to to find defi- to just uh, uh, going and saying and uh, you know not wearing mask and. Having this anti-mask, and she said, "Go ahead and open the school." What happened in Israel? They opened the school, and their all the economy they saved with the lockdown got it came crashing again. Uh, our teachers are not disposable. Doctors are not disposable. Human life is not disposable. You don't just ask everybody, oh, don't worry, there is a cure. If you get sick, I'll fix you. I have seen people dying from this disease despite being on hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin and zinc and vitamin C and dexamethasone. I have seen people dying from this disease. So to just say there is a cure, just go, uh, go about and do their business. You know what happens when people do that? New York happens. The mass graves in Central Park happens. Italy happened, Spain happened, but when people think there is a miracle cure there um, and believe in it, uh, then, then deaths happen. 150,000 deaths in America did not happen because there is a cure which was not given to the patient. Sadly, it happened because people did not believe that masking, social distancing, and lockdown was important. We have like Uh, news and news after somebody who called COVID a hoax died from it. Every life that is lost, uh, it brings me sadness. Whether somebody thought COVID was a hoax and then he died, it makes me equally sad as if somebody who was actually practicing social guidelines, but then, uh, like what we were telling, but somebody visited the house and gave them COVID and then died. My heart breaks equally, my soul aches equally for every loss. Um, so I think this is a time to to have sophisticated, more sophisticated, and scientific discussion. Not have propaganda kill people. So I want to tell everybody, despite no matter what which, in the context, there is no magic cure for COVID. We should not just go about doing our life the way we want. Um, the way we want, because we are not ready for it. Hospitals are not ready for it. My hospital is running out of severe, the antiviral drug, which is proven to reduce hospitalization. My hospital and other hospitals are running out of severe in Central Valley, and we are running out of tests. We don't have enough rapid testing available. We don't have cure. If there was a cure, there would not have been deaths. Across the world, not just in America, but across the world, we—it's we, not just America that has brilliant minds and trained minds. Italy, London, like UK, all countries like India—they are finally trained doctors, and they're still losing patients. So to say, oh, out of three, like uh, there is a the cure. Just go to school and open economy. I'll take care of you. That's not. That's utterly irresponsible, and it is going to cost lives. And the only reason me and my colleagues keep, uh, like, no matter how tired we are, we come back and we, you know, give our opinion and we try to address the misinformation because we, none of us, we don't know. uh, I I think it would be highly unethical not to do that. So we do it, but. Bottom line is it is tiring, it is exhausting, but our exhaustion is nothing compared to loss of life that'll happen because of, and that has happened because of this misinformation pandemic.
0: A hundred percent. And um, that was a lot to take in and 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 I really appreciate everything you said there and and clearly you're very passionate about this. I mean, obviously this is your field and and but I, I, I do follow you on social media for everyone listening and I do see you posting about, you know, your days that you're experiencing uh, on a day-to-day basis. And um, it's, uh, it's, it, it like you said, it is heartbreaking that, uh, that, 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 you know, you kind of said this in the last episode that, that this is not like, you definitely said there's going to be a second wave. You definitely said, uh, I, I, I believe you su- uh, suggested April next year. Like we're probably going to see something happen uh, next year. Um, so, I mean, it's it's not something that's just gonna go away in the blink of an eye, and and I did want to ask you since I have you here, are are you, like, do you have anybody within your immediate family that that has been ex, uh, exposed to this or experienced this, or like like do you have any kind of direct contact with it, or is it just patients that you're dealing with?
1: Well, my colleagues have died uh, from COVID. Uh, my brother-in-law's. Family member died from COVID. He was 41, and he had he left two kids and uh, and a wife behind. Uh, I want to address second wave uh, because you brought it up. Uh, What I said is I foresee the COVID not to go anywhere at least till next April. When I was talking to you, I said in fall there will be a second wave, and you know what. it didn't even our first wave has not even gone away and we are seeing so much surge already yeah. and i am trying to petition for a nationwide lockdown and mask measure starting september october november there'll be there'll be so many deaths during fall if we don't have extreme measures our hospital is not, our hospitals across america is not ready for what has to come in fall. Uh, I am so worried that already, like I had a friend who's a nephrologist. She had a Facebook video where she was crying because a dialysis patient from one of the Arizona hospital was returned, uh, like uh, he was not admitted because the hospital was full. And a dialysis patient usually don't have luxury for hours or days to, to wait and get treated. If their potassium is high, they need admission now. If the volume is up, they need the dialysis right away. There is absolutely, it's usually an emergency. And she was crying because she she worked so hard to keep all these dialysis patients uh, alive. And uh, my friends in Texas and Arizona and Florida are pushed to the wall. Um, and if this is the situation in July, I... Do not. Uh, I'm not. Since all this started, especially this, these surges started. I haven't been able to have a good quality sleep, and and so is the consensus among my other colleagues who are very concerned. You know, who are aware about what what will happen, because we are so worried. If we don't have strict social guidelines, strict mask measures, distancing, and lockdown in fall, it will be. Big, big, bigger disaster than what we are seeing right now. So we do need a nationwide lockdown measure. Uh, sadly, it would have been four weeks if it was done in March. Uh, it would have solved the problem. But now we need three months lockdown to make sure that no we save as many lives as possible. Um, so, and after, like, that is the only way uh, to um, not like not get into that uh, uh, to become new york in every part of america uh what happened in new york so that's my immediate dread that i'm struggling with
0: yeah do you think that uh going forward um whenever whenever covid-19 is is no longer a pandemic and we do start to see a like a real real uh decline do you think it's going to be th- all these measures that uh, have been implemented and and maybe unfortunately not completely followed but do you think they're going to continue in society do you think we're going to just be a society that from here on out no matter where you go it's probably best that you just wear a mask it's probably best that you stay as far away from somebody else as you possibly can or is there or is there a a, a future where you see maybe we kind of go back to what we thought was, quote-unquote, normal?
1: Well, entire hope lies on having a good vaccine. So if we can have an effective vaccine, then our hope to return to normalcy will be there. Uh, I, I, We all, uh, in the field of science and medicine, want a treatment so we can tell people, hey, You know, I would love a day to come where, you know, how somebody has sore throat and we give them uh, P.O. amoxicillin or Augmentin or Keflex. Somebody has community-acquired pneumonia, we give them Navoquine. Somebody has deadly infection like meningitis, and we give them a course of Cyftriaxone or depending on the bacteria, and we cure them and send them home with, uh, you know, very minimal mortality. I wish a, a cure like that would happen. It's not immediate, the the medical cure like that 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 you're seeing. Uh, I want to be wrong because if I'm wrong about it, it will save a lot of lives and I'll be extremely happy about it. Uh, But the only solution I foresee will be a good and effective vaccine. If that's done, then we can go back to living our lives. you know, in a normal sense of uh, way. And already there is anti-vax protest going on about it, uh, which is sad because um, the way polio had to be eradicated is it's an oral polio vaccine. We had to give it to everybody, uh, as many people as possible, because it's a community thing. So the way any vaccination success works is when entire community is committed To doing it to to prevent the spread of the disease. Um, So that's my deal. If there is a successful vaccine, please take it. If you die, your belief would not save you. It'll be a vaccine that would have saved you. Your beliefs can make you emotionally strong, but they cannot fight a deadly virus like this. So you can keep believing things, but please still take. The vaccine, when it comes, uh, it's uh, it's our only hope, um, and uh, that's all I'll say. If unless there is a vaccine, we must mask and we must socially distance. That's the only treatment. You come. I have a patient right now on still fifteen liters oxygen. Uh, it's it's not. It's not. I, I I had two a patient come in twice with severe hypoxia. First time she was on four liters. Next time she went up to eleven liters. Usually a people a person on fifteen liters would I would have sent to IC. But now it's a new normal. We just ask them to lie prone. We give them remdesivir and six milligram of dexamethasone. And I just pray um, that they turn around. So it's not a it's not, if, and also remember that if you catch the infection, I even thought th- this, oh, I hope I already have infection, at least I would have developed immunity. I can't say this enough. The infection provides no immunity. We, we are seeing patients coming twice, three times. We had doctor who got better after COVID infection and then died after reinfection. There is no immunity. We have proved that antibodies vain after a certain period of time. So when there is no immunity, immunity from an infection, how can we talk about her, herd immunity from an infection? Uh, and that's a disaster. To have these beliefs is a disaster in a pandemic.
0: And I think... Uh... So
1: don't have such beliefs, Don't have such beliefs. Ask us questions. I'm happy to answer questions. I, it, I get tired. But I just... If, if me explaining something saves lives, I would do that too. I would do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to save a life. Because I'm trained that that is... A, that's how I am, right? Like, that's how every doctor is. We are trained to save lives. Whether it's, whether it's giving, you know, talk over podcast or NPR or talking to CNN, I just want to keep giving information. I have no personal financial agenda associated with that, except that I want to save lives.
0: And that, I mean, yeah, it, information is what is, is. I mean, that's the most important part. Unfortunately, it's, it's really hard to figure out what the right information is and what's the wrong information. And I think, um, can you clarify if because I keep hearing about this particular bit of information, and I just want to see what your opinion is and what your what your findings are when it comes to um, sunlight inactivating basically COVID nineteen. I keep hearing about sunlight, 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 and and. You know, I, I live in Florida, which is, um, you know, one of the, the states that has seen an incredible rise in terms of cases. So but we're the sunshine state, which is it's not adding up to me. It's 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 very contradictory. It's like sunlight. What, what,
1: what is your question? I didn't get it. Where, sunlight what?
0: There uh, I keep hearing about sunlight inactivating COVID-19 like it basically kills oh,
1: de-activating, it. deactivating, killing UV rays.
0: Yes. Yes. Is 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 there truth to this, or
1: the kind of UV rays that kills COVID, your skin will burn and your flesh will rotten if you get exposed to that. Okay. There we go. So, okay. <laughs> so, so the, the fraction in lab UV uh, light we create to kill COVID is very different. Oh. Um you know, we have uh, UV light at 254 nanometers that can, that is germicidal. But it doesn't always, doesn't always first kill the COVID. Also remember that kind of evidence, and it's absorbed by genetic material, it can cause uh, uh, mutations. And it also can damage DNA and RNA. So it will damage virus and it will damage DNA and RNA. So don't, like, that's that's uh, that's why when President um, uh, said um, that uh, inject or I don't know exactly what his words were was that uh, something like that he said um, to inject uh, UV light. So the direct UVC light is not safe. It'll damage your eyes. It'll damage your skin. So. Yeah. So, so I, I don't know if I was able to, um, th- there is a, there is a far UVC light, which is 207 to 222 nanometer wavelength that can do it without causing harm to human tissue. So they, they, they are working on it. Uh, there are physicists at Columbia who are working on it. Um, so, but no, just not the regular in light. Yeah.
0: Okay. Cause so that was, we're
1: still investigating it, but, don't, uh, yeah, it's not, uh, we have people in Iran, it's, uh, like such a hot nation where people died. Uh, Florida is seeing so many patients, people in beaches are getting COVID positive. So even if there is no science, I think with a normal common sense, we can say um, that we uh, uh, You know, even though the National Biodefense Analysis and Counter Emergency Center, when they'd expose our scope to to, uh, artificial light, which is equivalent to the sunny rate, it kills uh, 90% of the viruses in But when you extend it in natural circumstances, it is not what is proven. Also, what I would say is like uh, once uh, the virus is uh, inside of you, the killing of the virus. Uh, in the beginning, will help you, but once the virus is inside of you, the, we try to stop the replication. Where the virus, the, way the virus is damaging is like setting up this cascades of inflammation, uh, which is um, causing uh, the cytokine storm, damaging in- severe inflammation. That's why we are seeing dexamethasone uh, in people who are on oxygen. We're giving them low dose, six milligram of dexamethasone every day, uh, IV or PO. Uh, And for 7 to 10 days, uh, we are trying to see if anti-inflammatory works. And uh, there is another IV antibody we are trying to uh, use when the the inflammatory markers are up, like ferritin and uh, CRP more than thirty. So there are some criteria and guidelines uh, on how we are using the anti-inflammatory agents. Uh, So... So it's not just the virus. Once the virus goes inside the system, we want to stop the replication of the virus, uh, but we uh, the also the inflammation that sets up. So when presidents say <laughs> you can go and kill the virus inside, that's not that's not the, uh, the uh, that's not gonna save somebody who's brain has a clot already or who has this sort kind of uh, inflammation cytokine storm already set so that's why i keep saying what happens in the lab is so different uh, and it's so 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 the general public will hear one data and they want to and i don't blame them you know the people it took it took me i was at med school when i was 16 and i'm 42 now uh, to now the med school training is 5 years and then you have 3 years it takes Eight years of uh, training to understand this very basic thing. So I don't blame general public for not like believing in certain information because they are not trained to understand the difference between uh, a particular data, its extrapolation, its application, outcome. They are not trained to understand that. And therefore, I'm more than happy when people like you, Eddie, who are invested in getting across the good information, I'm more than happy to talk because this is my job. I'm assigned to do this job and I'm happy to do this job for to save American lives so or any life.
0: And I love that you do come on here and you correct me and, and, and you make me, I mean, obviously, I'm an idiot when it comes to this stuff. I have no clue and, and, and you're the one that I, you, if anybody has the answers, it's you because you're you're on the front lines and and so um, I do there like there is another thing that that has been popping up that I've seen that um, and I don't know if you see the same thing over in California but here in Florida um, anytime I'm driving and this is just a question that that is coming to my mind is I see a lot of people hanging their masks kind of like from their um, from their rear view mirror where they can, where they can look back. And, and to me, it just seems as though like they're just probably wearing it, taking it off, putting it on, wearing it, taking it off, putting it on. And shouldn't there be more of a, like a conscious effort to like, y- like you, you, you kind of have to wash your mask, right? Like you can't just hang it. And yeah, you, know, and...
1: you have to be very careful. And again, as I said, um, the general public is not trained in using mask. Uh, and I don't think we're doing enough good job in training how to use the mask. Uh, what does it mean? How to wear it? There are even people who like put the mask below their nose. And uh, there, there are people who will say, OK, I'll just remove my mask in a gathering for a few minutes. It defeats the purpose of the mask completely. Because if the virus is in the air, whether you wear it for 10 hours while you're there and then you remove it for two minutes, it is like you don't even have a mask for 10 hours, right? So, one, you have to wear it properly. It should cover your nose and it should cover your mouth. You Second, you cannot touch the outside of the mask. Third, uh, assume that your mask is contaminated with COVID. Any surface where you're going to put your mask, uh, it is, Assume that it's contaminated with COVID. Assume the part of your body that were not exposed, uh, which were not protected by masks, were exposed to COVID. Especially I'm talking about, uh, you know, face. And that's why we keep even talking about hand washing in, in addition to the mask, because... If, if your hands uh, are uh, if your hands are infected, if you touch something a contaminated surface, or if you touched outside of the mask and then you touched your face, it defeats the purpose of the mask. So you have to be very careful how you store your mask. You have to make sure. The outside of the mask is always up and not touching anything. And if it did touch anything, you have to cleanse it with sanitizer. And also, lastly, I saw there's a lot of people doing it. Please do not sanitize your mask. Like you cannot put um, alcohol swabs on top of your mask. It will kill the fibers. The way those fibers are designed is uh, is the, even though people keep fixating on this idea the size of the virus the size of the virus the way a mask actually prevent the virus transmission through the mask is not a is not a simple barrier micro like how much what is the size it has lot of uh, the way mask it also addresses the brownian movement of the viral particles So that's the way the the mask trap virus is not as easy as like, it's not a pipe where, you know, okay, it has this much diameter and therefore the virus should enter, should not enter. So uh, I would say just stop, everybody, stop questioning the efficacy of masks. Once this pandemic is over, then you can come and bash us, oh, the masks are useless. You can do that. But for now, if I can wear a mask, and my poor nurses and uh, ICU intensivists and anesthesiologists, we, they can wear mask for 12 hours, and uh, not just mask are like uh, face. Like my face is now, my nose has permanent mark because I use it so long. Um, if we if we are working so hard for you, the, the least you can do is if you are working to the grocery store, wear a mask, please, for yourself. You can vote whoever you want. Uh, it's okay i'm not fighting your beliefs i'm fighting for your life so just remember that
0: exactly and 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 now there's a big boom in terms of i think i mean the the mask industry is is seeing a big boom there's so many you can get them customized and and so it, 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 there are like a lot of those people out there that still have issues with it and and it doesn't make sense to me, but that was something that I really wanted to clarify the hanging of it on your rear view mirror. Like it just seems like it's not the best move for it, but, um, the other thing, and then, um, I have like, these are the, uh, like the, the questions that I wanted to, to ask you while I have you on here. And then we can, um, if you're comfortable enough, we can, we can go off onto other things. And, um, but I did see, a an article um and i forget who it was from but uh they're, they're like they're they're pretty reputable and they were talking about covid-19 like most of the new cases coming from people that are staying at home and that and that now it seems as though you can even get it at home like what is what is your take on that like what's the are you like are, are
1: you, you talking about new york city when, uh, Is that is that the one in new york city where uh, some, uh, well, a large percentage of the people who were sheltering in place in apartments were getting, is that the study you're talking about, or the article? It was not a study, it was just an article. Is that the one you're talking about, Eddie? I
0: believe so. Yeah, because they, they, it just said that now you can get COVID at home. And, and I just, it, 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 it's... <laughs>
1: yeah, so I think what they were trying, what they, when in New York this happened is because now we know this. there is a droplet transmission and there is something called airborne transmission. So the airborne transmission means the virus is no more at the mercy of droplets to, to come to you. That means the virus can stay alive just in the air by itself for a few hours. And the NEGM study showed it was three to eight hours a virus particle can stay in the air. And uh, it can cause infection. So what we are... The scientists are looking at, and I think they did a study in Hong Kong was part of the the air conditioning may play a role because I think in Wuhan itself and the restaurant where uh, the virus was transmitted from one to fourteen people was through air conditioning. Uh, so that's so when you are in an apartment complex, that's just a hypothesis. Uh, maybe because the the air conditioning is common. That may uh, be responsible for uh, the transmission of the virus across the building, like across the apartments in the building, because of the common ventilation. And the second thing is when people, uh, even if you are at home, uh, I, 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 I am a physician, and I'm so stringent and so distilled how I live my life uh, that if some somebody comes. Uh, uh, like UPS or somebody comes, like everything is clean. The mask, I wear my mask, uh, you know, and I make sure they leave. And then I take the things and I wash them and I'm not inhaling. The, I don't think and I think it's hard for us doctors uh, uh, to ask general public to be asked strict and stringent and uh, sanitary like a physician, like the way a surgeon washes his hands will be different from the way way a normal person will wash their hands. But now we're expecting people to wash their hands right now. And it's really hard to comply with these things. If everybody complied with strict uh, hand washing, with strict social distancing, because it'll take one encounter it's not that you did everything right for 30 days and then on 31st day you were like it's okay you know i it's okay let this friend enter the house it's okay i'll just remove my mask for some time like it takes one encounter and that's what i think is uh, would have caused um, the like that can cause transmission when you're sheltered in place so if you're sheltered in place really like uh Make sure nobody's entering your house. Uh, one of my colleague had um, a, a, a patient, an elderly patient, and his grandson visited him, and he was not infected. He I mean he didn't know he was infected. He attended a party coming like a week before that. He came, uh, visited the family, and left, and he had no symptom. And the family was in strict social isolation. I'm just giving you an example. That young child, I think he was only 18, uh, he died of COVID. He, he was infected and he gave it to entire family, entire family. And so, uh, which is so heartbreaking, that day was very hard on me, even though it was not my patience for me to think uh such a young child, like young adult with. So, such so a, and he had the only risk factor he had was obesity. And for me, it was very hard because he had, he could have had a long life. And then I was also concerned about the whole family. And I don't know what happened to that family. But I'm giving you an example that by definition, these people are being sheltered in place. But if you make a single exception, you are inviting the virus. And yes, we are investigating, uh, this, uh people are investigating. Spread of virus through a conditioning and ventilation system. Now that we have, I think last time when I was uh, with you over this podcast, I told you we have enough e- evidence for airborne infection, and uh, now more studies have confirmed that. And so we, so that's another uh, could be another reason.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's just a a day by day kind of thing, and I'm sure you're. Like you said, you're, 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 you're you're tired and, and, and it's, I don't know. It's something that I just, you know, I'm trying my best. I'm, 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 I'm trying to abide by everything and, and, uh, I mean, but it just goes to show you that a lot of people are, um, you know, we can, we can try to do the best we can. And then a lot of people just get unresty and, and, and. They just go back to the back to the old ways and so i mean it's going to be around for a while and and um you know like i said i do follow you on 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 social media and i see you constantly posting about this for everyone listening she's uh, yeah
1: and my profile is completely public and of yeah. course i've raised my uh, friend limit but anybody it's a public profile and i share a lot of information so anybody can come and visit my facebook timeline and see all the updates that i'm giving Again, there is no financial or political incentive. Uh, I'm not running to be the president of America, but uh, there are a lot of studies that I share so pe- uh, people can feel free to come and visit and look at the data and interpret it uh, and uh, ask questions. It's okay. My inbox is usually flooded um, with a lot of questions, uh, but uh, but i rather... If me answering something saves lives, I'd rather do that. And we have a lot of, you know, we are testing interferon beta, relupinavir, in a, way, a, way, a lot of studies are going on uh, behind the scenes. When it it, it matches the standard of uh, science, it will be told to you guys. So I just don't want people to just blindly believe somebody who is hysterical and is uh, just saying randomly that I treated these many people. If you want to question us, you should question them as well about sophistication of data, to provide data, because that's a very important thing in a pandemic. Um, So question, if you you want to question us, go ahead, we'll give you scientific data. But with equal tenacity and vigor, please question those people also who come up with contradictory statements um, that can endanger lives of you and your loved ones. So, with same vigor and tenacity, irrespective of your political beliefs, please question them as well.
0: Absolutely, and I love that your that your Facebook is is public and that and that you're you know allowing people to message you. So, that information will be down below, and and. Um, kind of doing a 180 here. Cause I know, uh, we wanted to kind of cover some other things because believe it or not, uh, doctors lead normal lives too. I think we forget that from time to time. I know I do. I think, um, you know, I have a few friends that are doctors and, and I think that it's just 24 seven, that's all they're doing. And then they go home and they think about it and they go to sleep and they do it again. But, uh, you are someone that is uh, very, very passionate about other things. And among those things, um, are poetry which uh you're actually a published author correct
1: oh yeah i'm a published author and i love poetry um in especially in these hard times i think it's uh, helping uh, a lot of people and uh i'm releasing my third book so my first book is pillow of dreams um uh, again, I wrote that book only for my parents and uh, they wanted to hold my words in their hands. I have been writing poetry since I think words found me as a little girl. And I don't consider those words belong to me. I think they come from sky and I just give it to, to it's a gift that I receive and I give away. And um, I think, uh, I think uh, it's a, uh, it's uh, poetry if anything, uh, nothing else. I think it teaches us to be compassionate and how to how to be okay with our lives because there is such an opacity in how the Instagram and Facebook feeds of what a perfect life should be, and then what people live, and when they see a significant disparity, it causes anxiety. And all of that is such a false narrative. And I think. Uh, with the poetry, you can remove and dissolve those gaps, because I want people to know that failing and falling is not only, first of all, is not a matter of shame, uh, but it's a it's a pride of. Uh, it's, they have to be proud about it that it's part of living in life, and and I think removing uh, with poetry, I try to remove that shame culture. That your life should have these, these, these developmental milestones, and <clears throat> you should accomplish this, this, this by this time. And if you wronged somebody or somebody wronged you, uh, you should banish from the face of earth uh, without any uh, chances of rehabilitation. Um, And uh, understanding of being human. So I think when I write poetry, my and I create art also. I've sold artwork at Art Basel Miami. Um, I have uh, uh, created sketches. Uh, I do commission painting for mostly physicians and non physicians at times. Um, And uh, I think that's what I try to strive with my art and my poetry, and I'm very open about things that I've gone through in my life, whether it's stroke, whether it's heartbreak, whether it's uh, witnessing as a child, a, you know, like a religious threat, um, other challenges, uh, sexism, uh, assault. Uh, I'm very open about it. And the only reason I'm very open about it is that I want people to know that um, the success does not look like uh, what is taught to us. That is, to, to have a perfect family, to have a perfect car, to have a perfect house, and uh, visibly that is sold to us constantly by media. Success looks, uh, because that's a very false narrative. There is nothing wrong in aiming for that. But, um, but aiming for something that is a false narrative, even though it can help with our growth, can set you back in your emotional chaos and i want to remove those expectations i think people just should be happy that they get to wake up every morning they get to try this thing called life all over again and it's good to set up some you know milestones for yourself to follow your heart to follow your passion but i'm against comparative happiness and i'm against this uh, this mad rat race where people feel constantly inadequate unless they have certain amount of money or unless they have certain amount, like certain way their body should look like, or they have a certain car. Uh, you are not a failure because of lack of anything, because there is no lack. It's your own mindset. You think something is lacking because somebody told you you must have that, right? So I want to shift people's uh, self-narrative from, from lacking to pursuing or being a process. Um, I think I wrote uh, I wrote a poem because I recently lost a colleague. Um he died uh, very unexpectedly and I wrote this poem if you have time I'll just recite it quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Is that okay. Um, so I wrote what if we lived our lives backwards from death to its life how our outlook be different how differently we will value days nights life and learning How quickly we will forgive and how rarely we will judge, how deeply we will love, and how sincerely we will be kind to each other, and how easily we will see people running without virtues towards social milestones with a lot of compassion, and how truly we will care and how easily we will welcome joy and hope, pain as teacher, and acceptance as peace. And curve of life is a blessing, not surprise, and tolerance a necessity, not charity. Our ignorance stems from the fact that mortality to each of us is just an idea and not a truth, till it happens to us. Its reality and wisdom doesn't penetrate within, and then it's too late. Our short-sightedness comes from fake ranking, and greed comes from being validated as successful to be success in eyes of all. Our hunger for titles and material comes from our fear, that we won't be enough without them? What if we live their life backwards from death towards life? How our outlook be different? How differently we will value days, nights, life, and learning? How quickly we will forgive? How rarely we'll judge? And how deeply we will love? And how sincerely we'll be kind to each other? And how easily we will see people running without virtues towards changing milestones with a lot of compassion and how truly we will care? And how easily we will welcome joy as hope and pain as teacher and acceptance of peace and curve of life, a blessing, not surprise, and tolerance <coughs> as necessity, not charity. <coughs> what if we lived our life backwards from death towards life? So the love will dissolve human limitation, seeing the divine from within to without to be one with the soul of universe. <coughs> For collective good of all, for which he arrived here to begin with. That's
0: it. Are you, uh, that was lovely. Are you a, are you a very religious person? Because it sounds like you might have, uh, and I think that this is something that a lot of people, um, that a lot of people lack, if you are a religious person, uh, is the faith. And it sounds like you have a, like a deep rooted faith, if I'm not mistaken.
1: I think uh, I have a very simple uh, belief, and that is um, every day we are one year old or one day old. Every day is a new day, and we don't know anything what it's going to teach us. And it is not only true for us, it's true for somebody else too. So, And I have to practice this. So we have to be really compassionate. I think we have to look at each other like children, like one-day-old children. And that's the only way we can live in peace and we can expect people uh, to transform themselves for better and ourselves for better. We have to extend the same forgiveness to ourselves if we fall down that, okay, today I was day one, old. I didn't know better, and if I knew better, I would do better. And uh, the very belief that we are ultimately here for each other, we're not uh, living in isolation. Uh, One of my friends actually once, told me um, she was in love and she gave so much away and I, I wrote a very small poem for her and it was basically the summary of that was that we are here for each other. So when we give away what is not ours to keep, we are actually, it's a noble thing in life to do. Um, so I'll read you this one quickly. When you feel you gave so much of you to someone, remember that person needed those parts of you for their healing, for their path, for their life, for their thickening, for their comfort. And that is a very noble thing to do in life. We are not walking in isolation. We are walking together. We borrow some parts of each other for what lies ahead or to heal from what was done to us. And you, my dear goddess, you have divine ability to give away some parts of you, only to grow more beautiful some of you further, only to become softer, kinder, and stronger. The parts you gave away of you were not yours to keep. They were the reason of your being here. Because in the end, we all are here for each other. So please do not mourn, but all you gave away was not yours to keep. And bask in the glory of how much more you can be and how great it feels to fulfill why you are here. Shine on. So basically, we are here for each other. And we are all here to give a gift which is deep in our heart. And when we pursue that gift, that purpose, why we are here, which is always about making somebody's life better, but in what way? Whether it's poetry, whether it's art, whether it's innovation, whether it's you doing podcast. When we are in sync with that, and when we allow our skills to develop to view that, it's a very transcendental feeling, and you become very selfless, and you don't even you even lose the way, uh, the arrogance of ownership, and it's replaced by humbleness of uh, being in service of others, and it gives you acceptance that. Your job is to do what you're supposed to do, irrespective of whether it was received in this lifetime or next lifetime, or whether it was never received. Because our job is to create and do what we need to do in service of others, without acknowledgement, uh, without awards or rejection, uh, or whatever we provide to the world. Like people laugh that Earth is, you know, round. That was the purpose uh, of a scientist to say, no, it is round and it is revolving around the sun, and people marked. When a physician said hand hygiene is important, he was also marked. So, uh, but that did, did not prevent people from doing what they were supposed to do. When Van Gogh created the art, he just created the art. When Emily Dickinson wrote poetry, she had to. That was her purpose, and she wrote uh, beautiful poetry. Whether it was discovered years later or a generation later, is on us. Whether we want to be to have this openness to receive what is created for us, uh, just because the. Um, we don't. It'll be it'll be the loss of humanity of uh, of this our species not to receive such gifts. But it should not be uh, on the person who's creating it because what somebody once said. Oh, what happens to you when because I've created now six thousand poems and verses and hundreds of art pieces, and people say, oh, it will happen when you get your Nobel Prize for Literature. And I always say that whether Emily Dickinson got Nobel Prize or somebody's created a verse for me out of love or compassion, uh, just because some people validated that they are better or they are uh, worship, like worship worthy, does not make does not make a difference, should not make a difference. So I always say people who are pursuing science or art or literature or public service or anything, or even in love, you have to be in service or in a relationship. Just be in service for other persons uh, because that's what you want to do. Unless there is an abuse, of course, then things change. It should not be life-threatening. Um, so I, I just have very, this very, very, very simple belief. Uh, it keeps me sane. <laughs> It keeps me going, uh it keeps me soft and it keeps me uh, makes me forgive. and again, I'm not there almost, but at least I'm aware about it, and I try to practice, and then I fall down, and then I again get up, and then again, I practice because failure doesn't look like you are bankrupt or you know you've lost everything. Failures always are small failures, you know, you lost a friend, you said something to somebody, you wish you did not do something. Those are the failures that actually set us back. So just be kind in day-to-day failing. So today, if you were not, you were failing to put your mask properly, you have another chance through this podcast to know how to use your mask. If you were not really socially distancing, that was your failure. Please, you know, socially distance. Just be kind to yourself. Give yourself another educated opportunity Whenever you are making an action, whenever you are acting on something, and it is going to benefit somebody else, that means you are in good direction. So keep. So same thing goes for this pandemic. If your action can hurt and infect another person, don't do it. It's so simple.
0: I love it. I love it. It, you, it just sounds like you have everything figured out, and and. Um, I hope you don't mind me sharing this on here, but you're, you're, you're not even really that old, right? Like you're what you're in. Oh, I'm very old. No, you're, no.
1: <laughs> I am a do- I'm billion year old.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you really like just hearing you talk about all this stuff, you have it figured out and, 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 and you do this and then you, and then, uh, I've seen some videos of you, uh, dancing, you know, you're, you, you. And it, it seems like that's a passion of yours as well. And and it just seems like you have you might not have the answers to life, because I don't no one has the answers to life, but it just seems like you have it figured out in terms of how to lead a successful, happy life. And and uh it sounds like you're trying your hardest to spread that across, you know, because when I see those. Oh, yeah.
1: That's my third book. It's called The Life Currency, which is my most important book I have written. So two of my books, Bill of Dreams, was award-winning book, and it went crazy. Uh, And second book, I'm not a princess, I'm a complete fairy tale. They're teaching it in two universities, Wayne State and Michigan State, and it is literally in their assignment. And I'm happy that young minds are getting shaped with that. And my third book, which I hope is my final book on philosophy, is called The Life Currency, From Breaking to Becoming*. And that is the most important book I would have written. Uh, and that's the only reason I'm writing this book, to to give peace to people who are, who are not for the fault of their own, are constantly without peace in life, and, and they're suffering to be replaced by learning. So that's why I'm writing the life currency. It's on pre-order for Amazon. People can check out some samples too. And the last poem I read to you was from that book, actually. Yeah.
0: And and when um, uh, when we are done here, if you'll send me those links, I can I can include those in the in the show notes so people can, if they're uh, so inclined to, they can they can click the link and they can be sent right over to that page and and check it out and. Um, I just love it. I love that, you know, you do your day job and I'm sure that goes into night, which is, you know, saving lives and, and, and getting that information out there. But then you also have this other stuff on the side that that is, you know, that keeps you happy, because um, I'm sure if you were just a uh, practitioner of medicine, you would you know, you have to have those other passions in, in life to kind of keep your keep your your sanity. Right. Like otherwise you would just be inundated with a lot of negativity because unfortunately that's that's the field you're in. You have to come face to face with a lot of negativity. And 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 I and I'm just talking about how you'll see somebody that is really deathly sick. And and I'm sure that that plays a, a real psychological toll on yourself. Like it's really hard, I would imagine. I've never been in that field, but um, I I can't imagine seeing that on a day to day basis. So it's good that you have this other stuff that uh, keeps you keeps you uh, keeps you there in terms of you know just just staying happy and staying positive and and uh, and I just love you know. Hearing you talk about all this stuff because you're clearly very, very, very informed, which is why I'm doing a lot less talking than I normally do on the podcast, because I just want to <laughs> I want you to kind of take the reins on this stuff because you know what you're talking about. I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to COVID-19 or uh, even poetry. I think poetry is a I think poetry is a lost art when it comes to the written word. I think a lot of it, you know, the 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 mass appeal goes towards, you know, uh novels and audiobooks and magazines and 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 poetry is just sort of this little thing in the background that not a lot of people pay attention to and and that's unfortunate because what you just shared here on the podcast is is really good and and i'm not a critic of poetry but i really enjoyed what you shared there um are you doing? Uh, is there any potential of doing like an audiobook for your books? Like, have oh, you ever... Yeah,
1: my first book is already an audiobook. Oh, okay. Uh, Pillow of Dreams. It's there on Audible. And uh, uh, you can just listen to my voice while driving car. And the second book I just uh, recorded before this pandemic uh, happened. So uh, everything took a backseat, but it's already recorded. It's in editing. Uh, the one, I'm Not a Princess, I'm a Complete Fairy Tale. That will also be. Uh, I'm doing audio because you know, I'm very busy, and I understand people don't have time to sit and read, which I actually like because my books have artwork too. Um, but um, but audio yeah, audiobook will is is coming for second book too. and for life currency also, uh, I'm gonna do an audiobook. And it's very important to save the soul also along with body, and i I think. Uh, when my first book, uh, people were messaging me uh, that they didn't kill themselves because of my first book. Uh, it was a very humbling moment, and I realized that uh, words are really, really powerful. They can save you, and they can kill you. And uh, if you can, if you can save some soul, and you can save some lives through. Uh, words, there is, it's, uh, I think it's a, it's a very sacred thing to do, noble, it'll be a very noble thing to do. And again, it's not in, um, it's, a, it is very uh, natural. It comes out very, it's like poetry, it's like reading to me. When I did my second book, I'm Not a Princess, I'm a Complete Fairy Tale, it has a different setup compared to my first book, which is more towards romance and hurts and recovering and, uh, forgiving and all those things and how to conquer self Uh, the second book is more a compilation of different because a lot of men and women reached out to me people reached out to me in general and they shared their stories and I had to write a second book about including their stories because I think it's such a privilege to learn from other people from each other and uh, even uh, the first book was essentially my heartbreak and getting over and uh, trying to better myself from that. And second book became compilation of various women uh, who, whose stories are so powerful, uh, whether they would have made it to this book. And I'm sure there are so many people across the planet, they have their stories that uh, I wish I can know about, uh, that we can learn from. And I wrote, uh, I dedicated my poems to those people. And I think that's why, and it became so powerful. This book that that's why Dr. Montgomery and Michigan State and Wayne State decided to include it in their um, in their syllabus. Uh, it is again. I don't claim ownership for words that are not mine because they just come to me in a state of uh, I don't know, like. I never sit and say, "Okay, I'm gonna write a poem." Literally, a poem has to come to you. It chooses you because. I don't know what the reason is, but it chooses you. It's the same reason somebody is a bond dancer or innovator or businessman or a lover or, you know, in a relationship. I think things things choose you. And because maybe you're in alignment and your soul is in alignment and you're, you know, because ultimately we are like charged electrons and, uh, you know, particles. And when they are all charged in one direction, just like a current flows like that, I think your passion flows. And so I don't take ownership of uh, my poetry. So I feel guilty every time I say my book. Um, but uh, there is no other way to say it. So I, that's why I say it. But the second, the third book. So that's why I wrote the second book. The third book happened because. Uh, despite my second book, a lot of people reached out to me with their concerns, with their issues, with their problems, with how the outlook has to change, and and I thought uh, a book is the best way to do it. And therefore, uh, I thought this is my last book in terms of uh, uh, philosophy of life and how how to have as uh, less suffering in life, because your life will never be painless, but it can be a bit less uh, there can be less suffering involved for example if you are in a contest and you get third third prize or third, you're in third position you can celebrate being there or you can just cry your heart out and so the perspective actually is very important because you have to save your soul uh, a life without knowing yourself is a very uh, is a very uh, not a fulfilled life and I want to extend uh, my limited knowledge to uh, you know as much as possible because I think it's one of my purpose in life is to to extend what I have learned and I again think we are not productive this lifetime I think there is epigenetics we are uh, influenced by so many things uh, our ancestors our environment and when we distilled all the things that that we are into something uh towards for somebody else, it is always beautiful, and it always will uh, uh, will cause healing or aiding in life of someone else. So that's why I'm writing the life currency. I think people are already we got a lot of pre-orders already. And again, I'm not doing any of this for money because um, this is uh, this is basically all the money goes to charity. But uh, this this book is really very precious to me because uh, if it saves even one soul, I always feel like that. Um, I always feel I would love billion all, all the people in this planet to live a healthy and happy and uh, not happy. I'm not pro happiness. I'm more full for fulfillment because happiness is a very uh, uh, not a right thing to pursue. I think the pursue should be growth and. Uh, it, acceptance uh, and uh, finding trying to find uh, learning that should be our pursuit because if we always strive for happiness it's not it will just put us set back because then when we are not happy we'll see it as a failure which is sad because it's the most essential part of life when you're not happy it is as essential as day and night so to resist night is not gonna be go in your favor so yeah so the book is on amazon it's called life currency and There is uh, samples uh, of the book uh, you can read. And my other books are also on Amazon, and people can actually see the reviews. Uh, What other people think, um, I think my book is still the best-reviewed poetry book on Amazon, uh, Pillow of Dreams, um, based on Amazon customer review, which is such a uh, beautiful thing for me to witness because that means it's reaching people. Um, Yeah, so... um, uh, I want, uh, this is what I I want to do in life. I want to help people because in, our, in my life, uh, I did not do all of it alone by myself. I was also rescued by words and innovation and people. And this is the right way. I have to give back.
0: And you're doing it, and because uh, you said you want to do this in in your life, but you are doing it, and 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 I absolutely love it, and and I am definitely because I know you sent me the link uh, a, a little while back, and uh, I am definitely going to check it out, and and um, like I said, I'll have it in the show notes so people can uh, click and be sent over to Amazon, and and uh, that's awesome that you said that it goes to charity. I had no clue. I thought it was I thought it was something that uh, it might have been like a discounted price or something but that uh everything goes towards charity that's awesome um
1: yeah and apparently my friend just texted me so my first book is still the best reviewed poetry book on amazon and my second book is the third best reviewed poetry book on amazon i didn't know so that's a good thing (laughs) that's a joy
0: (laughs) literally they just texted you this
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah. My life is like a series. I'm like gods uh, romantic comedy without romance.
0: <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, yeah. Wow.
1: What are the odds? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So people should check out I'm not a princess, I'm a complete fairy tale. I think the title is fun. Do you like the title? I'm not a princess, I'm a complete fairy tale.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. I uh I I I think that is probably the best one out of the three, um that 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 you said. <laughs> Um look, I I I have uh I have to get going here cuz I have another podcast schedule, but I do promise cuz I want to get you back on here. I want to uh the next time because uh I know you wanted to do video for this one. Uh the next time is going to be uh video as well, so it'll be great to be able to see you on the other side of the screen and and uh we'll see where we're at when it comes to uh this this pandemic we'll see what's going on in terms of uh, the decline or the hopefully the decline like we have to have our fingers crossed. we have to be as positive as possible and and uh, I just applaud you for for the continued efforts that you do uh, because yeah uh, you're the front lines. so um, you know I, I hope that uh, you feel the gratitude from everybody that that, that you deal with uh, because I know, that they're, they're definitely happy that there's somebody there that is willing to risk their life to, to save their, their life and, um, and, uh, keep writing. And I know, cause you said this is your last book, but hopefully this is probably just the, the end of one chapter and the beginning of a new chapter and, and see where, see where you go with your writing. And, and I'm always following you on social media, so I can always see what you're doing and, and uh you're just a lovely soul and and i really enjoyed that uh that nona was able to get us in contact with each other because um she's uh... yeah we
1: should do a shout out to nona thank you nona
0: <laughs> yeah how But well, really quickly before uh b- b- before we go, how do you know Nona? Like, how, Like, what is your? Uh,
1: she's one of my Facebook friends. <laughs> oh, that's she, it. Uh, she we met through a Facebook position group, and she's incredible. Okay. So when she's if she's saying something to, for me to do, I just do it blindly. I trust her, and I'm glad I did.
0: <laughs> awesome. That's all, yeah. Shout out to Nona. She's she's phenomenal, and uh, um, I really enjoyed you coming back on here and spreading some more uh, information to people and good information. Um, so just thank you so much. And I look forward to the next time uh, a few months from now. I think we'll we'll do that like we did last time, just put a few months in between and see where we're at.
1: Sounds good. Take care. I do stay safe and stay safe, everyone.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. LaCara. I'll talk to you later.
1: Okay, bye.
0: Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.